Book four, chapter four, part two of Precious Bane by Mary Webb. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. All on a May morning, part two. Jancis stayed where she was, seeming mazed and dumbfoundered. A pale feather borne along the air, a lily petal wandering on the water, could na be as lost as she was then. I ran to her, and lifted her and the babe to the settle, for indeed she was so light, it was a pity to feel her lightness. Now look ye, I said, never a word shall you speak till you've had a bite and sup. Put the kettle on, Tivy, there's a good girl, the while I warm some milk for baby. Jancis said naught, but in a little the tears began to steal down her cheeks. She took a sup of tea, and then I asked her how she got here. I walked, she said, and poor baby was so heavy, you'd never think to look at him what a weight he was to lug. I knew he scarce weighed more than a good fowl, and so I knew also how weary poor Jancis must have been to feel so small a burden so heavy. Whatever was your mother thinking of to let you walk? Mother's dead. Dear to goodness, I be sorry for that, I said. She was a right nice woman. There's kind, says Jancis, but without any heart in it. She was like one who, in the game of costly colours, has risked all playing the card called costly, and lost it. She was out of the game now, with nothing more to gain or lose. I didn't like to mention her dad, and she said nothing about him. Well, your home's here, I said. You know that, Jancis, my dear. My home cannot be here if San dunna love me, Prue. Ah, but it is, I cried out. Though I did swear on the book to obey Gideon like apprentice, a wife and a dog, yet this day I shall gainsay him. You'll lie in my bed to-night, child. You and the little un will sleep at home from this time on. She gave a little sad smile as if to say, I wonder and lay holding the babe. But now Tivy, who'd been looking more and more sulky, burst out. And will she sleep here indeed, Prusan? I do think not. Maybe you dunna know as I'm going to wed with San myself. Ah, he's got to wed me, for my sake, and for his own as well. Jancis had opened her eyes, and was watching her with a look like a wise woman's I once knew, who could tell you your own thoughts. I know it'd be as well for you, Tivy, if he did wed with you, I said, pretty dry and sneering, for I never could abide, Tivy, and that's the truth. And I reckon he'd best not be too long about it, neither, and you sexton's girl and all. But the thing is, will he? And I'm pretty sure he never will. I'm sorry for you, Tivy, and I'd never have said a word afore Jancis, only you began it. Tivy's face was scarlet, but she didna flinch. I said good for him as well as for me, she answered. 
I canna see, I says, and God forgive me for being so sharp with the girl. How it'd be good for Gideon, in any way, to marry you. Oh, well, I'll soon show you, she says. He did love Jancis once, Tivy, I told her, and she was his dear acquaintance and his wife, all but the ring. She took no notice of that. I'll tell you why it'd be good for San to marry me, she said. Foxglove tea, that's why. Foxglove tea? Are you crazy, Tivy? Everybody knows as I know naught of Yarbs. Everybody knows Sarah gave the cow foxglove leaves. You and I know that the doctor said your mother seemed as if she'd had foxglove. She spoke slower and slower, leaning forward with her hands on the table. Everybody knows, Prusan, that your brother thought Mrs. San a burden. Everybody knows he does want to get on. And I know, and if he done a marry me pretty quick, everybody else'll know too, what was in the tea he made for his mother and told me to give her strong. What was it, I said, with a sickness at the heart? Foxglove. She snapped out the word like a bite. I knew it was true. I can prove it, she said, because, as it chanced, mother had come to bring Mrs. San that night rail she'd been sewing for her. And when I came down from giving Mrs. San her tea, I poured a cup for mother, there being some left. And mother said in a minute, this is foxglove tea. Ah, mother knows right well what Mrs. San died of. But she'll never mouth it to a mouse, if San weds with me. I'll never believe it, I cried out. But Tivy says, you will, you believe it now. And I did. Jancis did too. She gave a little moan and whispered. It was foreboded, Prue. It was to be. I've no home now, Prue, no home on all this earth. Neither baby nor me's got anywhere to go. What shall us do, baby? The baby, being spoken to, and being well content with the meal it had just finished, gave a milky smile. Jancis shut her eyes and seemed to care no more what anybody said. But Tivy came to the settle, and she says, If you stop the night over, we'll publish it all abroad, Jancis beguiledy. And then, I be sorry to say, my temper was out, and I rushed at her and boxed her ears right well. Go, I says, go, you cruel wench, afore I maul you. I never hated afore, but you I hate. How dare you be so cursed to the poor child? You may settle with Gideon what you both do, but when you come over the door-sill, out go I. And for this day, out go you. And I may say she went pretty quick, very startled to see meek Prusan in such a temper. Now, lie you still and rest, my dear, I said, while I go to Gideon. No, dunna wear it, Saren Prue, she says. But I'll rest, 
Ah, baby and me's both in need of rest. We'll take a good long rest, Prue, and thank you kindly for all. Out I went. There was Gideon working like seven. I do believe those unkind words he'd said to Jancis were but his way of brazening it out to his own heart. I do believe there was a seed of love there even then, and if it hadn't been for Tivy, it might have pushed up and flowered. I was never one to hiver hover over things, so I walked up to Gideon and said, Tivy says you gave mother poison. Be it true? By gum, that wench wants a good hiding, says Gideon, and if she forces me to wed with her, that's the bride gift she'll get. You did give her foxglove tea to give mother then? Mother told me she'd liefer be dead than quick, and she was a burden. He never tried to soften it, nor deny it, for that wasna his way. Well, you be a murderer, and I've done with you, I said. You swore to do as I said. Murder cancels all vows, I answered. I dunna want to be here. She's no manner use. Seemingly you canna choose, I said. It's tivy or hang, as far as I can see. I'd save you if I could, for you be my brother, when all's said, and I like you right well, too. When you've worked along of a person, furrow for furrow and spade for spade, as long as I've worked with you, lad, you do like the person right well, unless you hate him. And you I canna hate, though I've been trying to the last few minutes. Gideon, what for did you do such a wicked thing? Indeed to goodness you mun repent in dust and ashes, and think of nothing else at all. Or the devil'll certainly put his mark on you, so you'll come to no good in this life, and go to the lowest hell in the other. Your own mother, Gideon. But all he'd say was, she said she'd liefer be dead than quick, and she was a great burden. Well, I'm going, and so I warn you, I said in a passion. I'm in behopes you'll stay over hay and corn harvest, he answered, as cool as cool could be, just as if he'd done no wrong at all, which I believe in his own sight he hadna. No, I said, fix up with Tivy. She's no use in the harvest, she's so bone idle. I'll stay till she comes and no longer, I said and I wouldn't promise that, only I know she's in a pretty taking to get wed quick. I be right down disappointed with you, Gideon, on every count. You've no right to be. What have I done? Put an old woman to sleep as wanted to sleep? And as for Tivy, she as good as asked me to. Calm? Oh, he was as calm as the mere when it was frozen deep. And what about Jancis? I burst out. What about that poor mommet of hers, that you've brought into the world? They're neither old nor forehead. For answer, he pointed across to the blackened floor of the rickyard and said, You know whose child she is. Then, under breath, he said, as if he'd forgotten me. But I did love her once. 
so I left him to his thoughts and ran back to the house, calling out as I opened the back door. Here, Jancis, my dear, I've brought the slaty hen's egg to beat up in milk for you. But no one answered, and when I came into the kitchen, the settle was empty. I ran across the fold and out through the gate by the mixen into the road, into that good road the Romans did make so many a year ago. And yet, to the mere, that long while was but a little, for though it had been troubled two thousand times since then, so Parson said, yet it had been troubled uncounted thousands of times afore, and would be again, till the world was all shriveled like the cast-off body of a dragonfly. I ran along the road in the strong heat, and the sandy earth shone in the light, and the shadows were short and very dark i ran round the first corner that came soon and the next and even the next in case she'd walked faster than i thought but there was nobody on the road no white and gold mother with a white and gold mommet only the chamomile in clumps on the bank was their colour gold and white and as i ran the strong scent of it caught my heart I thought maybe she'd gone up to my room to wash baby. I ran back, calling and searching high and low, but there was nobody in the house save Pussy, who looked at me sad, and ran into every room a bit in front of me. I looked in the barn and the loft and the shippin. Why I should think she was there, I canna say, only I was getting desperate eager to find her by this. I ran up the wood path, in case she'd had a fancy to walk there, where Gideon so often went to send her on her way home. I ran on and on, calling till the wood-pigeons flew up with a clattering noise, but nobody answered. Only the forest stood about me. Only the varnished king-cups were yellow round the edges of the mere, each clump of blossoms multiplied by two in the clear water and the walls of thorn-bloom lay there white and green a lost and lonesome feeling crept over me i went to gideon in the garden at the back of the house i canna find jancis i said i told her to go back where she come from he answered with the same manner of speaking as he had afore brazening it out she couldna do that i said for she's gotten no money and her mother's dead and what's come to her father only the assize court knows seemingly for she done her she walked all the way from silverton gideon she hadna any money for the coach all those weary miles she walked to come to you and how did you make her welcome he said naught to that but went on with his work you mun come and look for the poor girl i said now this instant minute you must come you must think of somewhere else to look. Oh, think of somewhere else, quick, Gideon, for I canna, and if we canna think of anywhere else, there's only... With a great shudder I pointed to them here. What? he said, very angered. What? You'd fritten me, would ye? He smote the spade into the earth as if there was an enemy hid there, and came with me round the house and the buildings. Then he set off up the road, saying she might have got a lift, 
which made me afraid for his wits, seeing that there was nobody to give lifts on that road but us and the ghostly chariots that people said you could hear nights rolling and grinding along the old road. But in a while Gideon came back finding no sign of Jancis. We must drag the mere, I said. We needna go far, I doubt. She'd soon be out of her depth, being so little and small, and she'd no time to walk far. She must have gone in by the causey here. For as I said afore, this broad stone causey that the Romans made ran from just in front of our house down into the village at the bottom of the mere, where the bells did play, they said, of an evening. And it turned out that I was right. For there, just where the causey went into the water, was one of baby's boots. I'd noticed that the ribbon was out of it, and that it was nearly off, and would have been right off if the sun had been like other babes, kicking and laughing to feel its own might. But it was only a poor, stilly, waxen creature, and so, doubtless, the boot stayed on, till it felt the cold water, and struggled to find itself dying as it never did to find itself living. They lay there in a bed of lily leaves, and we took them up without a word and carried them within. I washed them and dressed them in white, and we laid them on mother's bed, and I mounded it up with flowers, white lilac and thorn, golden day-lilies and golden cowslips, that the child should have made into tossy balls in the time to come. All the while Gideon said nothing, nor did he look much at them, but went on with his work about the place. But the neighbours came, all the three days afore the funeral, from near and far, for the coming back of Jancis and the child and the drowning made such a tale as hadna been in our part of the country, where things go on middling quiet, even in the memory of Grandfather Callard. They came and looked at her, and the woman cried, though in her life they'd been hard as flint to Jancis. The younger men stood a while, saying naught, looking down upon her as if they were fain of her. The sins of the fathers, said Sexton, making an oration over those two, and not only the sins of the fathers, for it's no use to be mealy-mouthed people, and though it be sad to say it, the poor wench was no better than she should be, for the child one a born in wedlock. No, people, get one a even a barely child, for there's no ring in the case at all. We dunna know who the man was, he went on, looking at Gideon in a way that showed he knew right well, and meant to say, unless Gideon wed with Tivy. We dunna know that, but what we do know is where she came from. We know who was her father, neighbours. We know she was sired by the devil's odd man. We know that the burning of the ricks was as naught, yea, and less than naught compared with the things he did secret and unbeknown. What's come to pass was only what we had to expect, for what's bred in the bone will come out in the flesh, dear souls. 
by their fruits ye shall know them matthew seven added sammy then looking down upon the two golden heads a good while as you might look at some rare bird you'd never see again he said to himself and so low that i only heard because i was nighest to him they were lovely and pleasant in their lives and in their death they were not divided and he catched his breath a bit forgetting chapter and verse callard's children came two by two to view the bodies and as they stood at the foot of the bed after looking on the babe in the crook of its mother's arm suddenly they cried out all together as they were taught to do about the baiting oh looks pretty the little mommet and miller nodded his head three times as if to say here were two kitcats where they should be then grandfather callard stood out and he said two funerals in a month it do make me think of the days when the great sickness was on the land and we as were quick were weary of the buryings and strange it is friends all that these two should be dead when their ages added together dunna amount to near thirty years while i number one and ninety years and yet i've so far missed to catch the plague that ravens through this bitter old world the ancient plague of dying still gideon said nothing but the night afore we took them to the churchyard i heard him stirring and being afraid that in a sudden horror of the spirit he might do himself a mischief for though a slow quiet man in daily life he could be now and again hasty of a sudden i went to see what the matter was he was standing beside the bed as i went in he had just stretched forth his hand and lifted in his great brown fingers the plait of golden hair so thick and fine that was ever the pride of poor jancis when he turned at my coming he was like a lad taken in a fault hanging his head and muttering as if it should explain his act which indeed it did i did love her once End of Book 4, Chapter 4, Part 2